Hey, happy Friday. Hope your week has gone well. Hope your Friday is going well and hope you're going to have a good weekend. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Five Tool Baseball Podcast, episode 53. I'm joined once again, as always, uh, by Drew Bishop. And I like to think I sound a little bit better the last time you uh, heard you my better. voice. Yeah, yeah. I, I've, you know, I, I was a I was very stuffed mess. Um, went to the doctor Monday. I was like, hey, I think I have a sinus infection. And they're like, uh, you know, not quite yet. Uh, I was like, okay. Um, Thursday, <laughs> went to another doctor like, hey, I think I have a sinus infection. Yeah, I think you do too. Um, so really? that's, that's finally- how, that, that sounds like how I was diagnosed with a torn UCL my senior year. Oh, well, that's a much more serious deal than, than this, but <laughs> let me tell you, man, I, this is the first time I've had one of these before. And I've, I've heard people that have them and kind of in my head, I was always like, well, how bad can it be? You know, you just get stuffed up. Like, you know, everybody has allergies and stuff, but man, it's, it, it there one morning I woke up and it felt like somebody just punched me in my, like my cheek and my teeth. Like apparently yeah. that's the telltale sign. It's like if your, your teeth, teeth and your cheek yeah. are sore. Like that's what it, I was like. Yeah, they are. Sure enough, the first antibiotic I took, um, I started feeling much, much better. So hopefully I, I look and sound better because um, earlier this week, it was it was a definite wreck for, for sure. Like coming off of Las Vegas trips, like, oh, you know, you must have, you just did too much in Las Vegas. And I was like, no, I, I was getting really stuffy out there as well. So I uh, got that in the rear of your mirror. And uh, yeah, it was quite the adventure. Like I went to go pick up my prescription from CVS and... Um, I got prescribed amoxicillin with something else. Amoxicillin, obviously a very common antibiotic. And on my account, it was like, it says you're allergic to amoxicillin. I was like, what? Like, I've, I don't know that to be true. And then in my head, I'm trying to think like, when was the last time I've ever taken amoxicillin? Uh, it's like called my well, never mom. because you're allergic. Yeah. I called my mom. She's like, no, you're never allergic to it growing up. And I was like, yeah, I don't really remember so I was like, right, whatever. I had the Benadryl nearby in case that I had the reaction. <laughs> so here I am, no hives on the face or anything like that. No shortness of breath. So we're, oh, we're doing okay. And uh, I've got to be in tip top shape because Jack turns two on Saturday. So All right. um, as, as you know, and you'll, you'll soon learn with the second birthday, it's, birthday planning is a lot of work. Like, oh, dude. We especially get, now that they're getting old enough to kind of know what's going on. It's a lot of work, man. We, we get, um, we get packages every day. That's part of our next weekend's birthday celebration. Um, and it's, it's a lot trickier to hide things from him now because he can yeah. open doors and he just is curious by nature, but he, you know, we got to hide all the Mickey mouse stuff. Cause that's our theme. Okay. Oh, toodles. So, oh, oh, nice. We're going chugga chugga tutu. So we're having the train theme going on and and stuff like that. So, um, you know, one of my proudest dad achievements was we went to go on walks. We have a, a a train track nearby, like the Austin little Metro thing that nobody ever rides. And I (laughs) would always go up to like, Jack, you got to look both ways, you know, when we get to the train tracks, whatever. So now every time he hears the word train, he starts pointing to the left and pointing to the right to signal both ways. Like, Hey, you learned you're actually listening to me, but, uh, um, we do want to start though. Some, some, a big bummer of news. Um, you know, a guy that I got to see earlier this year and, uh, the guy was making as big of jump as anybody in the state 
Um, Bernie right-handed pitcher Cole Phillips, an Arkansas signee, was exchanging some messages with his dad today. Um, has a partial UCL chair. Um, is going to go undergo Tommy John surgery next week. So, um, send some good vibes to Cole. And you know, I, he was having a fantastic season. Um, you know, guys come back from this as strong or stronger than ever. Um, you know, it's just we have so much information about the rehab process and and um, you know, seeing so many guys come back from that. So, I have no doubt that that, um, you know, once that's in the rearview mirror for him, he'll be really strong. And whether that's throwing fastballs in pro ball or at Arkansas, uh, still an extremely bright future uh, ahead for him. But, um, you know, Drew, that's something that you went through. But it, it just even since then, I mean, this process has changed so much. It's like, unfortunately, it happens a lot. And part of the reason why is the guys are just they throw really, really hard now, um, you know, and but it's just it's used to be 20 years ago, you hear that. It's like, oh man, I don't know if you'll ever be the same, but now it's like, okay, yeah, like this, this happens, but you're going to come back. You're going to have your velocity. You're going to feel really good. You're still going to have a career out in front of you. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, you know, the, the, the actual surgery has been, you know, quote unquote perfected to where mm-hmm. it's not even a detriment in the draft anymore. Uh, now the timing of it can be obviously, but yeah, you know, an arm like that, like it just, you know, I think rare, rare are the situations where the guys don't come back physically capable or better, really. I mean, I, from a velocity standpoint, I, I came back better and I bounced back better. And mainly because you start doing some rehab type stuff, um, you start doing some rehab type stuff that you're, you, you don't normally do. You know, some of the some of the kids are a lot better trained in that now than we were when when I had the surgery. But mm-hmm. my 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 biggest um, my biggest piece of advice for kids is when they start throwing again, really put an emphasis on throwing to a target. Um, you know, I think what we found out that hindered me and my recovery, like I said, I was fine physically. I just lost command um, when I was in college, because I, I didn't throw right. You know, like I didn't, I didn't throw to a target. And a lot of times I found myself having to play catch with our trainer who at the time, like he couldn't catch. And like, I was worried about throwing, like just letting loose and throwing it and hitting him and hurting him. And so it messed up my release point for a fastball. And so after I had surgery, I, I could throw a slider for a strike anytime I wanted, Mm -hmm. but the fastball command was terrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, and I, and I really think that's the root of it. So I always tell guys that are going through it, you know, it's, 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 it can be frustrating and everyone don't compare your rehab process to other people's and timelines, Um, right? Just because every, everyone responds to it a little bit differently. And, you know, and, and one thing that a lot of people need to remember too is, being able to pitch doesn't mean that that's where you're going to end up. You know, I think there's a lot of guys that are able to pitch about a year out, but we saw it with guys when I was at Texas, like, yeah, they were capable of pitching and they would get in some games, but you know, as you keep going, you're, you're going to keep improving. And so you're, you're not a finished product when you start pitching again, Yeah, you know, in, in game action, like we, like, I felt like Morgan Cooper was a great example of this and, in 2007, 16 and 17, when he was, you know, he had a longer rehab process and he, you know, it got to a point where in 16, he was getting better literally week to week. 
mm-hmm. um, just as the season. And that's in a big 12 schedule, right? you know, and it's noticeable in that for a guy and a prospect of that caliber. Um, so, you know, I think those are the things, you, some things to think about for guys like Cole that are about to be going through this is, you know, don't, don't look around and compare where you are versus other guys. Um, and just understand that when you start throwing, you need to really pay attention to throwing to a target yeah. and getting, that'll help get that command back. And that's usually the, you know, the, the biggest difference for guys from what I've seen is just getting that command back. Um, you know, it's, it's just something you have to pay attention to and it's something that's definitely doable. Um, but you know, it, it, the good thing is that now physically more often than not guys are getting back to where they were or better pretty regularly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's typically how it goes now. Um, he sees it, you know, I mean, I was just watching clips of a, of Justin Verlander's last spring start. Um, I mean, he's like, <laughs> He's how old? 38, 39. Um, yeah. I mean, the velocity is, is right back. The slider's right back. Um, you know, and it's like, you made a great point about don't compare yourselves to, to other rehab processes and stuff like that. I think that's, that's critical. Like, you know, you just got to go with, with, you know, where your body's taking you, where your process is taking you. I mean, obviously there's no rush um, to get back out there until you're absolutely right. But and part of it too is it's putting in the work and, and we know, you know, seeing what Cole did to his body and, and stuff in the off season, that's, that's definitely going to be something that um, he's going to be able to do. So, um, you know, best luck to him. And I have no doubt that, you know, probably this time or a little bit after next year, he'll be, he'll be throwing the ball really, really well um, somewhere. So, but uh, speaking of, of pitchers who can throw really hard, um, you got some eyes on a uh, recent tw- uh, Texas A&M commitment. Um, yeah. Farmersville. That Fresh. You, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. You noted is, was very, very fitting. Like where, where else would a guy from Farmersville go than to Texas A&M, but uh, Cooper Strawn, uh, five to 55 member in the 2023 class. Um, a guy that we saw a little bit um, in the fall with the uh, mm-hmm. Blue Jays scout team up in the DFW area has a lot of promise on the mound. Um, you got to see him earlier this week. Yeah, no, I was really impressed. Uh, physically, he reminds me of Noah Bentley a lot. Like, good okay, body, wow. like, athletic, strong, mm-hmm. um, throws hard, has a good breaking ball. Um, he threw it, got a couple swing and miss on that. And I mean, in the outing I saw him, he was scheduled to throw uh, – Just he was on a pitch count, and he only threw two innings. It wasn't a district game, but it was a good look at it. Um, and ball comes out right. Uh, ball jumps at the end on the fastball. And, you know, one of the things, you know, we talk about it a lot. He threw several right on right changeups um, in a short outing, which, you know, at at that level is tough to commit to just because, you know, for a lot of the guys that he's facing, that's their bat speed is is that changeup. But he threw some good ones. He definitely has a good feel for it. Um, From talking to a few people, I think people think that that's really a good pitch for him. And it's just a matter of like, you know, once that he tightens up the breaking ball and just, he, he threw it with good, um, with good at late action on it, on a slider a couple of times. And once he gets a feel for really throwing that all the time, then he's going to have three plus pitches. So yeah, there's a lot to like with, uh, with Cooper, he competes, um, like I said, strong athletic, you know, he looks like, yeah, he's, he looks like he'd be a physical presence on the mound. Yeah. He's strong. And, and it's not a stiff, it's not a stiff, strong body. Mm -hmm. That's, 
that's what I, what I got from seeing him live was um, that he, he's got some athleticism in there. And um, man, I, you know, I, I could see him making a pretty big jump in our list moving forward um, just because the stuff's there, the athleticism is present. So, you know, it, it's, it's tough, you know, comparing uh, competition levels for some of these guys, because some of them are facing bigger schools with, um, you know, guys that are able to handle stuff like that a little bit better. He didn't face much of that, but um, you know, he plays with the Tigers. So, you know, he's going to face all the right competition this summer. So yeah, exciting to see him throw and cross another guy off our list. We're powering through our, uh, those 110 guys that we're hopefully going to get to see, I guess, 100, yeah. 100, 109 with, uh, um, Connor Weigman already being at, at A&M. Uh, That's right. Yeah. I saw taking some first team reps already. At quarterback? Yep. I don't think that surprises anybody that's that's followed his high school career. Um, right. Man, the state of Texas was just loaded with, with quarterbacks last year. Yeah. Um, and then you consider, too, what Ewers was supposed to be in last year's class, right? So, um, you know, that would have been a maybe an all-time historically great quarterback class. But, yeah, Strawn, to me, yeah, the changeup to me is the one that I thought had the chance to really, really stand out. So it's good to hear that. Um, you know, throwing those right on right change ups and having the confidence in that pitch. And yeah, he's a strong physical kid, man. Um, you know, like we discussed, I think it was on the previous podcast. He, he took his time with the recruiting process, which is kind of crazy to say because he's still a junior, <laughs> you know, and he hasn't even had his junior summer yet before his senior year. But uh, a guy that talented has been recruited for a really long time by a lot of big name programs. And you know, talking to him before the season, some, um, you know, he was definitely taking his time with the process, but um, it's a really, really big get for Texas A&M. And yeah, it's uh, I'm really excited to follow him this summer, because like you said, I think that he's a candidate to be a guy that jumps. Um, just when you start talking about the physicality, the strength, um, the stuff. And I, that was the thing I was most curious to hear you discuss is, is, you know, sometimes these younger guys who were, big strong guys can be a little stiff um in what they do on the mound so um when you combine those factors and that you know not you don't see that stiffness in the delivery and the arm the way the arm works and things like that you start thinking okay there's there's some upside here in terms of what the stuff can can do and, and keep ticking up when he's a senior and stuff like that but um you know a guy that man that tigers team is going to be a lot of fun to follow this so, as, as they always are but right. um you start thinking about their their they're what Noah Bentley is on that team too. And then you start thinking about the catchers they have and it's, uh, ah, it's, that's, that's going to be a fun group to follow. Yeah. Tommy's always been able to put together a pretty good, pretty good roster. I remember yeah. one, my, my, uh, I guess it was my junior year. We went to, we went to, Ju no, it wasn't my senior year. Yeah. We went to my senior year. We went to Jupiter in the fall. We had like 12 guys who finished like second, second or third. And I mean, it was like half our team played in the big leagues. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, yeah. I mean, it was James Russell, Evan Gaddis, Giovanni Gallardo, um, you know, it was Corey Kluber. <laughs> back, um, back then before it really had like just turned into what it is now, there just weren't as many teams. So you sometimes got some of those teams that were just like absolutely stacked. Yeah. There was the, the, the big team that year well, it was our junior year. The big team with Baseball America put to put together a team that had like Ian Kennedy, Ian Stewart, Delman Young, Lasting's Millage, 
yeah, it was loaded, major loaded. But yeah, there's a few teams that put together like that this these uh, these days. But yeah, the the super teams back then were super teams. Yeah, um, yeah, you so. you weren't beating those guys in 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 most events for sure. But um, you mentioned Wegman. Um, I went and saw a guy Tuesday down in the Houston area that is also going to be focusing um primarily on football at the next level um chase oh, i forgot how to pronounce it soul or so well i think it's Sewell. so well so well i i, I had his teacher is going to be tweeting at you again if you oh miss that's it. right yeah and i was like i'm trying to think like i know somebody has explained this to me before um i saw him in atascacita play summer creek um which is actually going to be our our uh, five tool and S2 cognition game of the week, the Friday edition. Um, so we'll have some people there covering that, but uh, didn't turn into much of a competitive contest. Uh, Summer Creek ended up winning 16 to three um, in five innings, which really, really surprised me. But um, Chase for uh, among the Atascacita lineup, Chase was the only one whose bat made some noise. Uh, he hit two really, really hard balls off the barrel um, one was a hard line drive single up the middle um, in a in late in the count against a breaking ball um, as the, the Summer Creek uh, student section was chaining overrated at him. Um, he lined a pitch up the middle and then kind of shot them a glance as he was rounding first base, which I enjoyed. Um, and then later in the game, he just missed a homer. He hit a, a line drive off the wall in left center, which the way like I was texting with, with you and Jeff on Tuesday, it sounds like the wind was just playing games with with everywhere in the state of Texas. Cause like at one point it was blowing way out and it started blowing across to the left. And like, you could really feel it. And that park is small, man. It was like three ten down the line. And I think think three forty in center. Um, so he almost line drived one out of the yard at summer Creek. Uh, I mean, it's, I'm bummed that he's not going to play college baseball, at least right now, because I think the hitting tools are real. Uh, just the way the ball comes off the bat, obviously he's, he's, athletic and physical i mean he's going to colorado to play wide receiver after a fantastic season on the gridiron and we've talked about in the past about what he did against allen up in allen uh, which nobody really does um so he looked apart with the bat in his hands but it was, it was pretty quiet for a task to otherwise really quiet game for kendall george couple of strikeouts and part of the reason why is summer creek um you know pepperdine signee adam troy was starting for them and he's a guy that i saw um, in the summer and I, I believe again in the fall and he was always really really intriguing um, this the stuff would really flash and there, there wasn't that consistency there and I think that that's something that um, he's still working on um, he racked up a ton of swings and misses with the fastball um, the curveball and, and the changeup as well and he wasn't afraid to throw some right on right changeups especially earlier in the game when he's trying to find his breaking ball field um, hit a couple batters walked a couple batters um, but man, you, you look at him on the mound, there's some athleticism. Uh, I think there's still some physical projection left. I think that that's a great get for Pepperdine. If I remember correctly, I think he's a, he's a big time academic guy too. Uh, but there's a lot of upside there. If he can harness that stuff consistently, uh, you know, the breaking ball, it's, I, I didn't, I don't know the spin rate, but man, watching it and seeing the velocity, like in the break, one of those overhand breaking balls, but around 66, 67 miles an hour. But for a guy that you know, bumped 89 and I, I think has the low nineties in there. Eventually you consider that that velocity mean, what does that mean? Well, he, he's probably spinning the heck out of it. Um, and that's what it looked like as well. And some of the, some of the swings and takes that batters had when he got on top and spun it out of his hand the right way. 
Uh, looks like it's a really promising pitch, but um, I think he's got a chance, man. I think he's got a chance if, you know, just really harnesses the control and the command, um, works more consistently in the zone. Uh, he's got a chance to have, you know, an above average fastball and a couple of complimentary pitches that, that could also be, you know, probably average at worst, maybe flash above average or better um, on a semi-consistent basis. So really good get for Pepperdine, um, you know, and Jane Duplantier, we've talked about him in the past about guys that from their, from their junior seasons to their senior seasons kind of took jumps. And every time I see him, it, it's, it's a little bit better. Like the bat speed was a little bit better. Um, he was three, nine, six down the line. Um, and looking back at my notes from the summer, I had him kind of in the four, two range consistently. Um, and I, I love this about him because, you know, it's, it's one of the things Shaka Smart used to say, um, you know, there's something that he really believed in was, you know, you're either as a player, you're an energy giver or you're an energy taker, meaning that you're if you're an energy giver, the way you go about your business and everything gives energy to your teammates. If you're a taker, you're kind of sucking the life out of your team. Um, and he is an energy giver. I mean, he had a pop up and he flew down the line. I was mad I didn't get a runtime on it because I was videoing and I saw it go up and I was like, okay, I just kind of cut the video. Uh, he flew down the line. So I was like, Oh, just please give me another chance to get a runtime later in the game. Um, and he did when he beat out a, a ground ball single up the middle, got down the line as fast as he did. So um, there, I think there's still with more reps will come better. Um, I think defensive consistency, but I think he's got the ingredients to be an above average or better defensive player at a premium spot. Um, the athleticism looks great. Obviously, we're talking about a runtime now that's putting him maybe into the plus-plus range as a rummer. Um, and I got scared earlier in the game. You know, we always talk about the curse that I am. First <laughs> inning, shallow fly ball off the center. He dead sprints out, just fearless, just going to get attack this ball. And he was basically in center field by the time this catch was made. And he hit, like, the leg of the center fielder. Just I don't think the center fielder called the ball loud enough. And I was like, oh, gosh, he's going to leave the game. He's going to be hurt. Like, here I am cursing people again. And he got back and, and shook it off, fortunately. So um, impressed with him. I think Texas is getting a great one because you can tell that he's going to positively impact that program um, just by the way he carries himself. And uh, shout out to Cisco College, too. They got a couple of brothers from Summer Creek, Eric RK and Diego RK, who hit 3-4 in the lineup for Summer Creek. And I was really impressed with the way they swung it back. Eric, in particular, one of those guys, kind of a presence in the box, the way he takes pitches and stuff, um, got some hitting feel, really tracked pitches well. That's a really good get for Cisco. Both of those guys, I think, can make an impact there. And Summer Creek's also got a freshman outfielder, too, William Hill, who I believe was hitting six-hole for him. He's got a chance. Looks like a chance to be plus run. Good athleticism. Looks like he got a chance to hit as well. Um, so he'll be somebody to follow in that 2025 class for Summer Creek. Nice. Well, I, I, I'm excited to hear about Jaden just because, you know, obviously I know the family and nothing that you said surprises me with him just continuing to get better. Yeah. And I know that that was a, a big reason that Texas took him so early is because mm -hmm. they knew what he was and the athleticism and the strength weren't present at the time, but just looking at his brother, knowing his brother, knowing the family, knowing how he'd work, like you knew it was coming. Yeah. And now it's starting to show up and, I think that he's just, I, I, he's going to have a chance to be a really good player. And, you know, if, 
if Texas ends up losing what you would think that they might right now, mm-hmm. he's going to have a chance to play early. And yeah. you know he's got the makeup and the intangibles to do it. And now you throw in some plus athleticism, it, it's going to give him a chance to to get on the field and stay there for the entirety of his career. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those guys that you talk about that athleticism and speed. It can it can profile if it needs to profile. Um, it can profile at other pit, other places as well. But um, you know, we talk so much about the you know the the you know, maybe a future teammate, Jalen Flores and Anthony Silva and Travis Sanders and all these really decorated shortstops. And um, he's in that mix too. You know, when you start looking at the report and you're like, okay, this kind of runner, um, this kind of makeup, this kind of athleticism, um, potential to stay at shortstop. um, You know, I'm not going to say he's a forgotten guy, but um, he's not quite as famous as some of those other guys, and but he's he's right there with him in terms of talent um, and what he could turn into potentially. So, um, you well, know. And, you know, and and like we always say too, like a lot. My my thought and philosophy with a lot of this, you know, there, there's a handful of just like special guys that are just good and obviously good from early on, um, but there's also that tier of guys that had to figure out how to play and survive mm-hmm. before they grow and then they grow and they're absolute monsters Yeah, because they already know how to play. And then the physicality comes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times those guys end up being the best guys and, you know, yeah. for, for a number of reasons, but I think Jaden falls in that category for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. The arrow keeps, keeps pointing up and yeah, I, I just was like, I was, I was caught off guard by how fast he was now. Um, I knew it could run, but I, I just didn't anticipate that that's, that's how well he ran now. I mean, he's, he's going to be a force on the basis for sure, but yeah, he just kind of radiates energy on, on that team. Um, I'll be curious to see how that result ends up tonight, because as we talked about earlier, you know, when we love that you get these, these back-to-back district matchups now, because um, what happens earlier in the week matters, you know, that's, that's going to, you know, the teams kind of know each other, you know, Atascocita is going to have play at home. They're going to have that taste in their mouth of, of getting run ruled at summer Creek and uh, be curious to see, uh, see what happens there. But um, yeah, definitely a, definitely a good one. Uh, good one to follow in summer Creek and, you know, Pat Parker Matthews will probably throw for a task of seated tonight. Who's a guy I saw, I believe in the summer and the fall, I want to say he's an ACU commitment um, tall guy that can, that can really run it up there in terms of velocity. So that'll be a tough, tough matchup for summer Creek, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's a, I know you and I have been, been schedule making. It's, it's been tougher lately, like in terms of pitching matchups and, and just juggling stuff and, and everything else. But um, Parker, Parker Matthews is Abilene Christian. So. Abilene Christian. Yeah. That's what I thought. Another, yeah. Another good uh, gift for them. Yeah. Cause he's a guy that I saw, I think in the summer and I was like, man, who is this kid? Uh, he was running it up there really good velocity wise, tall guy. And I was like, man, this, you know, as sometimes you see those guys and you kind of hope selfishly that they're uncommitted just because it's like, oh yeah, you kind of felt like you discovered something. Um, this, like this time of the year, there's hardly any hitting gyms anywhere. Uh, but there it is ACU getting, getting another one of those guys. It's like, man, and also who'd they beat in the midweek that they had beaten for the first. Okay. It was yeah. the first first top twenty five win in program history. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Man, good mm-hmm. for them. You know yeah. the the health of of college baseball in Texas. Like, 
you know, we talk about obviously the big dogs, but Texas State having the season they're having in the top 25. And, um, you know, we, we've seen when Jim Schlossnagel and A&M are, you know, I think everybody kind of heading into the season was like, oh, no, you know, that's that's a they're, they're, there's a big talent deficit over there. But um, it's the way they started the season, man, they've kind of picked themselves up and started playing some better baseball. Um, DBU, we know, I mean, they're doing their well, thing. Um, yeah, I mean, and too, like for for A and M, like some of those some of those transfer portal guys are are becoming forces in the middle of the lineup. I mean, yep. you know, Dylan Rock and and Jack Moss just killed Texas on Tuesday. That I mean, ball, had, that, who was it, Rock or Moss? The one that Southern threw was like yeah. outer half, and he just yeah. heavy barreled it over the wall. I was like, that yeah. is some man strength. Like, I don't know how he hit yeah. that pitch out of the yard. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's one. I've talked to a few different people who on both sides that were like, yeah, we've watched it multiple times and not sure. How, yeah. I mean, it, the wind was blowing out, but like just to get that kind of swing on that, where that pitch was. And that's what's tough. Like, you know, and that's one of those things that, you know, you see, you, you always say confidence is contagious when the Texas bullpens had a rough go at it. But yeah. that's the kind of stuff that happens when things aren't going right. Like you throw a good pitch and like for Jared, that's tough because that, you know, he could have, if that pitch is, you know, swung and missed, which a lot of times it has been in the Mm -hmm. past, but that's a good pitch. Yeah. Um, It just like, it goes out and that's the difference in what could have been a a good outing for him and what turned out to not be and getting him the loss. Yeah. And they, and they need him. Yeah. It's one of those, it's, when things are going as rough as they're going for that bullpen right now, it's really hard for younger guys to still be able to separate process and results. Like mm-hmm. that wasn't a bad process pitch. You know, you right. just have to kind of tip your hat. The guy was able to do that with it. But when things are going the way they are and these guys need some confidence, it can be tough, you know, it, to, to separate that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, they've Texas, if, if Texas is going to get back on track, um, that's got to be where it's got to come is that bullpen. And I don't think the, the bullpen doesn't lack stuff, but um, as you know, what was Southern throwing like 96, 97, that game um, just goes to show you that it's not, it can't just be about stuff at this level. You got to execute and, and throw quality strikes and that sort of thing. So they haven't quite, they just, ever since the Tanner Witt thing and that long road trip, they just haven't quite been the same um, despite Trey Faltini going nuts, um, hitting, hitting a homer seemingly every game. But um, yeah, you look at just the, the health of the baseball in the state with even some of these mid-major programs and stuff like that. It's uh, it's uh, it's, it's really, it's a really good time to be, I guess, a really talented high school player when you're, if you're fortunate enough to choose from, from some of these programs in the state and even the junior college level um, as well. So, um, you know, what, did you have any more observations from the college stuff over the, over the last weekend? Um, you know, I've, I've, I've gotten to watch quite a bit, you know, with the ESPN app. Um, yeah, the streaming it's, stuff is amazing. Great. It's amazing. I mean, you're starting to see, and you're seeing this a little bit at the high school level too. You're starting to see a lot of injuries, like a lot of, a lot of pitchers missing time. Um, Blade Tidwell came back from Tennessee and uh, his velocity does not seem to be affected. <laughs> um, no, it looked okay. Yeah, he, he did okay. Um, good couple of good games last night. I watched LSU and Auburn, and then I was flipping back with that in the Florida-Georgia game 
Um, Florida or Georgia scored three in the bottom of the ninth to walk off Florida. Um, yeah, it was a, that was a big win for them. Um, and then, you know, kind of like we've said about LSU, like, you know, they're having some really good offensive performances, but they just have, they, they just haven't figured it out quite yet on the mound. Yeah. Um, and you see, like you see it in flashes, but they're just having a hard time putting it together for like an entire game or an entire series. Uh, but, you know, that said, they, you know, they, they lose the opening series at home to A&M, but then they go to Florida and win the series. Mm -hmm. And then they lose last night against Auburn on Thursday night. So, and, you yeah, know, like it's pretty much, it feels like right now that everyone is on a roller coaster except for Tennessee. They're kind yeah. of head and shoulders above the pack right now. And everyone else is just kind of going through those up and down lulls. Um, and, you know, it's just that part of the season. And I, I think it's funny to watch fans react. Um, you know, the, the casual it's funny. college it's funny baseball now. fan. Yeah. Let me well, tell you, it wasn't funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny in the past. Well, it, but it's, it's, it's funny, funny, in the it's sense funny that now. <laughs> it's so, it's just so, such a different sport, right? Like a, right. a college baseball season is going to have ebbs and flows. It's yeah. not like football. It's not like basketball where teams go undefeated or close to it. And you're supposed to, you know, like it's not unusual for a mid-major to beat, uh, you know, a power, a high level power five in a midweek. Like right. that's just, that happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you can't, you just can't get too high or low based on results of one game. Um, because realistically too, the funny thing is, is that most of the people that are complaining like didn't really sit down and watch every pitch at the game mm -hmm. because a lot of these games, like the final score doesn't really actually tell the story. It's the final result. But like, you know, if you just box score or watch and get on Twitter and complain about stuff, it you're, you're not going to have a very pleasant existence. Right. <laughs> you know, cause it's just, you know, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of context that gets left out when, when a lot of these fan bases complain, like they just look at the, at the final score and assume it was all bad because you didn't win. And yeah. how do you lose to that team? You know? Yeah. It's like anybody can lose to anybody, especially in a midweek for sure. Yeah. Just looking at someone. Well, you know, and this is funny too. While we're on this, like we talked a little bit about using the Twitter stuff for recruiting and one thing that I don't think people understand a lot is it's not just the kids that you see the Twitter stuff from it's the parents. Oh, and yeah. I know, and I've heard from quite a few college coaches that they are turned off significantly by parents that are way, let's just call them too active mm -hmm. on Twitter and what they post. Like, you know, there's a difference between posting stuff about being proud of your kid and proud of their team. But when you're openly questioning coaches and umpires and calls and, and talking trash to another team, or, you know, like people see your likes, your comments, your retweets, just like they do the kids. Yeah. And don't think that that's not looked at in the recruiting process because yeah. You know, like it's just another one of those things that if all things are equal and you got a parent over here that's pretty vocal on Twitter in a negative sense, 
and this kid over here whose parents are not like that can be a deciding factor for some people. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, you know, like we talk about the social media, it's, it's funny and it sounds silly that it's such a big deal, but it is, it really is. And, and I, I can speak from experience. I always felt like there was, it was no accident that most of the teams that we had that did well at Texas, the group of parents was great. And they buy into the program and they support the other kids and, you know, it just, it goes into the winning, you know, it's just like having that culture, it extends out past just the players and the coaches. And, um, you know, you just always felt that from the teams that were good. The parents were just always on board and supportive. And, and, and that meant at the same time, like, you know, the, the kids that weren't playing their parents, you know, understood why, or understood that, you know, that was what's best for the team. And, it's just, it's just something that goes unnoticed a lot or people don't think about, but I can promise you, like I've, when I'm searching for stuff on the, on the internet, I see a lot of stuff that parents post and just, you really just kind of shake your head. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're a parent, like openly tweeting about opponents on other teams in a negative sense, like that, that it's just, that's, that's embarrassing. Yeah. In my opinion, like it's, it can't happen and you're, you're hurting your child and your child's team. So, you know, just something to think about. It's just something that could be is so easily avoidable. Um, right. Cause he, I mean, they're not just recruiting the player, they're recruiting the family too. Like that's, that's part right. of the, that's part of the process. And, you know, if you're openly criticizing high school coaches and, and, you know, liking stuff and, and this and that and causing a ruckus like well what do you think's going to happen at the next level when things are even more intense like you're just going to all of a sudden tone it down and and like you know like if a college coach reading that it's like oh man if if this dude doesn't play a lot as a freshman i'm gonna have dad blow my phone up like hey what's going on here and he's gonna be trying to pack his bags and send him in the transfer portal right away. So yeah, no, it's a great point. I mean, that, that sort of stuff matters. Like you've, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to eliminate as many distractions in your program as you can. Um, and the parental stuff can be an distraction. I know from my days co- covering college basketball, I, I know that there, there were guys whose parents were just headaches about playing time and stuff. And it's just like, some of it would just blow your mind. Like, yeah. You just got here. Like, you know, like you get to a place like a Texas and it's like you're a freshman. Like it's, you know, you're, you're not like, unless you're like Muhammad Baba or something, you're probably not going to play 30 minutes a night right away. So um, it's very, it's very much a part of the process. And uh, it's uh yeah, it's, it's a great point because it's, it's something that I know college coaches track that stuff. And um, if mom or dad are on there, you know, acting a fool and causing a huge headache, it's like, well, what do you think mom and dad are going to do at the next level? They're, they're probably going to do the same thing. Um, I didn't realize also that Tennessee had only lost one game. Yeah. They're, they're 23 and one. Wow. That is uh, yeah. in Virginia, 22 and two um, having a heck of a season as well. So yeah, that, that Tennessee team, um, that roster was the best looking roster that I saw at Minute Maid. I think it was just going to be a question of could they play catch well enough to consistently win games. And since that point, they have. Um, and I think if they do that, they're very much a, 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 a front runner to be a, 
be in the national title picture um, in Omaha when that part of the season rolls on. But yeah, like you said, everybody else is kind of on that roller coaster right now, adjusting to injuries or changes in roles or getting in the conference play when teams kind of beat up on each other. And, um, you know, once you get, once May approaches, that's when you got to see those teams kind of start finding their consistency and, and figuring things out from there. But we'll be, we'll be exciting to follow. Um, you watched any spring trading stuff recently, or I, I know you're in your fantasy baseball draft right now. So you've got to be am. at least leading some, reading some headlines and stuff and tracking what's going on. Yeah, I've watched a little bit. Um, not as much as I'd like. I just can't, I can't stay up late enough anymore. <laughs> I just, I can't. Um, but yeah, I've been trying to, been looking at some of it, um, trying to dig in mostly for fantasy purposes, but um, excited for opening day to come. You know, there's always that new energy when it pops up. Yeah, yeah, April 7th. So next, what is that, next Wednesday? Thursday, next yeah. Thursday. Yeah, um, it'll be here. And uh, yeah, it's uh, usually I schedule my lunch around when I whenever I can have four spring training games on once on my screen over here. But uh, it'll be fun. Schedule, have schedule your lunch at home. I've yeah, never... schedule my lunch at home around when I can watch four spring training games at the same time. I got I got to time it all the right way. Very, very particular. Um, so otherwise, like if if those are going on, it's like, oh, it's going to start drawing my eyes over there. So I'll use my lunch to to watch stuff. But it'll be fun when we have pro baseball, college baseball and high school baseball all going on um, at the same time. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun. a lot of these young guys, man, you know, Bobby Witt Jr., a guy that was a huge name in Texas. I know we've got a bunch of five tool video and coverage about him. Like, just you, you hear people talk about him and you watch him play and stuff. And it's like, man, he's, he really does seem to check every single box that one of those young guys could check. So, um, the fact that he hasn't been sent down yet, he's got to be the opening. You mean Trout, Trout Jr.? Trout the Jr.? swings, man. The swings are, it's, it's unbelievable how similar they are. You know, just that. You know, they kind of have those athletic, twitchy, but, yeah. but comp, got like compact frames. Um, but those, that swing, like that short swing and the, I mean, it was, it was crazy how similar it was. And uh, so he'll be fun. And I don't know if you saw, but Julio Rodriguez hit it inside the park Homer last night, probably got a little bit of gift on the scoring, but um, inside the park home run last night, it was fired up crumbing across home play. Like that's a guy I'm super excited to see. And, I think the Mariners are going to have, have a tough time not putting him on the opening day roster. But uh, meanwhile, my Pirates sit down uh, O'Neill Cruz um, to get some more work in, um, which is which is a bummer. But, you know, Hunter Green's getting to, getting to be in the opening day rotation for the Reds. It'll be fun. A guy that used to be an SI cover guy um, throwing 102 miles an hour. So a lot, a lot of young guys. I think the health of the sport in terms of the young talent is – I uh, was in a really good place, but um, I'm one sure. Of the things, one of the things that I've noticed, I feel like there's a lot more guys in the league right now that are like really versatile that can play mm -hmm. multiple positions. Like I just yeah. feel like that there's when I'm, when I'm looking at rosters, there's just so many more guys that play a lot more positions than there ever was in the past. I think that's a good and, point. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know if that's, I don't know why specifically that is, but I know it's something that pro teams are starting to, to even kind of force on guys a little bit more, just get bats in the lineup and, and maximize what they have and stuff like that. But 
Um, you know, someone made a good point to me, I forget who it was a couple of weeks ago about just the health of the shortstop position in major league baseball. And then if you start to think about it, well, if there's all these shortstops that aren't leaving shortstop right now, and then you've got these guys coming up through the ranks that chances are a lot of these guys played shortstops because that's just typically where the athletic, really good right. guys play. It's like, you got to figure out somewhere to put these guys in a diamond. But I think also too, we're as, as a, as a sport, we're starting to be able to do a better job of actually quantifying like things like S2 cognition, things like, like outfield jumps, like how you read stuff off the bat, like what you know, what your defensive capabilities are. Like I was looking at Kike Hernandez's um, stuff from center field. I mean, this is a guy that was a longtime second baseman and he rated as arguably the best defensive center fielder in the game last year in terms of things like jumps and reads and that sort of thing and it's like yeah he's just a i bet his s2 score would be awesome because he just is one of those really smart natural baseball guys um that can go out and play another position i think teams are kind of more in tune with okay if we have guys that are athletic enough and they have those instincts we can put those guys in different places like bobby witt was he's been a shortstop it's like, yeah, we think he can handle third. We'll put him over there because we got Alberto Mondesi at, at shortstop and, and Nicky Lopez at second. Let's just put him at third. Like O'Neill Cruz, the Pirates are kind of training him some uh, to take some outfield reps as well. So, yeah, that's do a good think, point. Do you think it's there's a like a do you think the level of defense has gone down or is it they're able to? play more positions because of shifts is that factoring i think it's i think it's the latter i think it's because of the shift and because teams have gotten so good about understanding the shift um it allows them to to put guys in certain places to where you can kind of i'm using air quotes hide your your worst glove at certain places and then put you know an athletic guy that can play like you know the dodgers i think were kind of at the forefront of that um, you know, the way they like Chris Taylor, like just right. plays all over the place. Um, Max Muncy can, can play all over the place. Um, you know, Gavin Lux playing all over the place and they become really, really good. I, I heard someone talk about the Astros the other day about their, their defensive alignments behind certain pitchers. These teams have gotten so good. They're like, okay, we've got a heavy ground ball guy on the mound. He's facing this kind of lineup. There's probably going to be a lot of ground balls in this area or a lot of contact in this area, we can put our, our weaker defensive outfield out there, put our better defensive infield out, like just a lot of stuff like that. But I think the shift has, has made a huge impact. That's like when they started to talk about banning the shift, I kind of had a brief freak out moment from my fantasy baseball perspective, yeah. because I think that would dramatically shift well, some batting average stuff, some pitcher ERA whip stuff because teams have just gotten so good about knowing the percentages and how to pitch guys and, and increasing the likelihood that the ball is going to be hit to certain areas. Well, and, and too, I mean, there's less balls in play with a lot more strikeouts. Yeah. Too. The three true outcome thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, I, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, there's a lot of guys that are just kind of picking up. I mean, I, I follow the the guardians a lot because um, I like Ahmed Rosario and, and Andre Semenes and some of those guys. And just kind of seeing how that lineup shakes out. It's like, yeah, we're just going to put a, we're going to start playing Ahmed Rosario some in left field. And he's kind of taking to it and just kind of lets them have more flexibility with those other infielders and stuff like that. So um, I think it's fun because I think it kind of gives, it, it kind of emphasizes the importance of just being able to be a baseball player that could play the game. You know, and that's something yeah. that we've talked about is sometimes you get, at the high school level and the college level that these guys 
haven't had enough reps of just understanding how to play the game, how to read the ball off the bat, where to go with the baseball, how to think in situations, um, how to react on the fly and make quick decisions and stuff like that. And I think that major league baseball is kind of showing the value in that. And, it, and they're paying these guys too. Like look at the money Chris Taylor is making in LA. Like yeah. the Dodgers didn't need Chris Taylor necessarily, but they understand over a course of 162 games, if you have a guy that can hit can play all those positions um, and not get bothered by it and taking it to the batter's box, it's a big deal. So, um, yeah, just one of many things that are going to be fun to follow um, in the pro season. But uh, you got any big weekend plans before we wrap this thing up? Well, I'm going to go see Jared Thomas pitch tonight. Nice. Is he hitting it or no? Is he still not hitting? No, still not hitting. Um, Cleared for pitching and defense. I think he might hit next week. I think they wanted to wait one more week. But um, so I'll see that tonight. And then going down to Franklin Ranch, um, going to cover the um, going to cover the uh, 12s event, 13s and 14s. So get to see some of the up and coming guys in that event, um, do some S2 testing. So. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh-huh. More that'll S2 exciting, testing man. we can we do. should test the- over, 100, over 100 kids. So that'll Awesome. Be, that'll be fun. Awesome. I saw they've been making their pro rounds. I saw they were at the Padres, the Mariners, the Rangers. Um, so they're kind of making their pro spring training rounds and getting around there. So um, that'll be fun. And, um, yeah, I, I plan to be on down there on Sunday at, at Franklin and hopefully get some eyes on uh, – a guy I'm really excited to see pitch today, Tristan Bristow in the 2024 class down in the San Antonio area. So mm-hmm. um, kind of knocking out some of these 2024 arms early is Casey Evans. Uh, I saw we were at Adam Sims last week. Um, and then now I'll, I'll get some eyes on Bristow and see him and uh, already getting a little bit excited about that 24 class as well. And man, the 23 class too, I got to, I'll probably have to go see Braden Sharp next week because he threw the heck out of it again. Uh, I think he only allowed one base runner. Uh, I think Woodlands has had like three straight shutouts or something like that. So this 23 class, you start to think about him, Mason Bixby, TJ Pompey, and we know what Travis Sikor and Blake Mitchell are doing. And you just mentioned Guy Cooper Strawn, like he's kind of down the list. But he, I mean, they're, it's a really exciting group of guys. So I'm already looking forward to checking those guys, but still a lot of high school games left to go. Major League Baseball starts soon. There's still a lot of college baseball um, left as well. And we'll be talking about it throughout our next, oh, however many podcasts here in the next couple of months on the Five Tool Baseball Podcast. But uh, thanks for listening. Get to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button. If you're enjoying the content, please read us, leave us a nice rating and review. Kind of helps the podcast get discovered a little bit easier by people that are kind of looking for this kind of content. Um, you can go to Podbean and hit the follow button there. You go to fivetool.org. We've got a little menu tab uh, for podcasts, and we're putting these things um, on YouTube as well. If you kind of like the whole watch, watch cast thing as we try to um, talk through these. But you can, you might want to skip the two this week because I look like a train wreck, but uh, hopefully these <laughs> antibiotics are, uh, are, are, are doing their thing, and I'm in much better shape earlier next week. So um, until we talk to you all next time, have a good weekend. Um, happy birthday to Jack. The little man turns two on Saturday. Uh, hopefully we see some good baseball and until we talk to y'all next time, take care.